Taiwan has officially ended its Fukushima food ban. The cabinet policy came into effect on Friday, 10 days after it was announced as stipulated by law. Friday was also the final day of the virtual Taiwan-Japan Economic and Trade Conference. At the event's closing ceremony, Japan's representative proposed that the two sides restart talks under the Economic Partnership Committee framework, which has been suspended for eight years. Taiwan-Japan Relations Association Chairman Chou Yiren reaches out for a virtual handshake with his Japanese counterpart. At the end of the Taiwan-Japan Economic and Trade Conference, the two men repeated the gesture to mark the end of a productive summit. During their meeting, the officials signed a Memorandum of Understanding on Customs Cooperation. Also during the meeting, Taiwan's government said it would lift its long-standing Fukushima food ban, which it did on Friday. In response, Japan said it wished to restart its Economic Partnership Committee with Taiwan after an eight-year hiatus. I suggest we revive the EPC in view of bilateral cooperation at the WTO, APEC, and elsewhere. We could use the meeting to discuss economic issues of common interest. The EPC has been halted for eight years now. At the time, it was cut off due to the problem with Japanese food imports. The EPC meetings that year were used to discuss a Taiwan-Japan free trade agreement, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and other issues. Cho said that lifting the Fukushima food ban had brought hope for reviving the EPC. But will it also ease Taiwan's entry into the CPTPP? Addressing this question, Cho noted that TIFA talks with the U.S. had restarted after Taiwan lifted its ban on U.S. pork containing ructopamine. He said that the end of the Fukushima food ban was an important stepping stone to the CPTPP. We have untied the rope that was holding our boat to shore, but we still need to row forward. I think that a tremendous obstacle to our CPTPP bid was the Fukushima food ban. Now that the ban is lifted, at the very least, we will be able to move forward. The official said that Japan's support was indispensable for Taiwan's entry to the CPTPP. In removing the Fukushima food ban, he said, Taiwan was showing Japan its sincerity and determination. Taiwan reported 16 domestic COVID cases on Friday. One case was an elementary school student in Tainan. The remaining 15 can all be traced to a religious gathering held last Sunday in Taipei. We now turn to the CECC. The remaining 15 cases from today are in the same chain of transmission. Yesterday, we announced that an infected designer had gone to a marketing company where she infected an employee who attended a Buddhist event. At this event, roughly 80 people ate together, and 25 of them went to sing karaoke afterward. Today, we can confirm 15 new cases in the cluster connected to that event. This brings the cluster tally to 24 cases. The new cases include six in Taipei, three in New Taipei, three in Kaohsiung, and two in Tainan. Of course, the fact that we know the source of all 15 infections is good news. The health chief says it's good news that all the cases can be traced. But he noted that the new cases were found across Taiwan. They moved in many different professional and social circles and came into contact with diverse groups of people. Because of this, he said, the public must remain vigilant and continue to take COVID precautions. 
The CECC says it will foot the hotel bill of people who go under quarantine due to an epidemic investigation. The announcement comes as Taiwan ramps up contact tracing to control the spread of Omicron. The CECC says the policy is retroactive, so anyone who paid for their own hotel stay after December 14, 2021 can apply for reimbursement. An estimated 6,000 people nationwide are eligible. Workers at Taoyuan's airport are on high alert. Lab tests confirmed 63 new cases of Omicron this week, bringing the tally to more than 800 since the variant emerged. On Friday, officials gave an update on the case of an infected airport police officer. Lab tests showed that this case was not connected to Taoyuan's airport cluster. Instead, the officer was infected with the same Omicron BA2 variant as that in the Kaohsiung port cluster, although the sequencing differed. This means that Taiwan now has one new transmission chain with an unknown source taking the total to nine. The BA2 cases here are still largely from the Philippines and India, so we will likely make comparisons with individual cases from these two source countries. Given the exceptionally infectious nature of Omicron, local governments are ramping up their contact tracing efforts. Currently, local governments can choose to pay or not pay for contacts to go under quarantine. To settle conflicts over the issue, the central government has pledged to foot the bill for close contacts. From now until December 14th, if you have been identified as a contact of a case, your additional costs from that will be paid. Whether the local government has already paid or you paid it yourself, the central government will take care of the fees. Taipei is one city that already covers quarantine fees. Each person is eligible for a 20,000 NT subsidy. Since September, 2,472 people in the city have gone under quarantine, costing the city more than 50 million NT. Here in Taipei, if you are infected, the quarantine hotel has always been completely free. That's because you are considered a medical patient, so we are taking care of a patient. I see that as an extension of what hospitals do. The central government said the new policy is retroactive, going back to December 14th last year. An estimated 6,000 people will be eligible for reimbursement. Taiwan's bank regulator has announced stricter mortgage rule to crack down on housing speculation. The Financial Supervisory Commission will raise the risk weight for five types of mortgage loans, including land financing and loans to institutional buyers. The risk weight for third homes will go up dramatically from 30 to 100 percent. The riskier a loan is, the more capital the bank must legally maintain to reduce the risk of insolvency. The FSC's adjustments are aimed at discouraging risky lending in order to cool Taiwan's housing market. In the digital age, negatives and photo prints have become a rare sight. But a photography-loving couple is hoping to preserve the art of film photography. They travel to Japan to collect film cameras, and they sell rare finds in their store. They also shoot portraits using large-format cameras. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us into their world for a look. He snaps a photo using a large-format camera. This is Ye Renjie. Ye and his wife regularly travel to Japan to collect film cameras. He said that bringing this large-format camera to Taiwan was not an easy feat. It was produced in Osaka, and then we found it in Nagoya. It took some effort bringing it back. 
because it is very large, we had to file a customs declaration and deal with shipping. Lots of money was spent. This camera is estimated to be about 100 years old. Ye started working as a photographer 20 years ago. After switching from negative to digital photography, he came to appreciate the value of film cameras. He uses a large format camera and old photo paper to shoot portraits for his customers. Almost 15 or 16 years ago, before the rise of digital photography, we actually used cameras like this for commercial photography. We used this out-of-print photo paper to help our guests take such photos. We call this a one-shot portrait because it has no negative film and it can't be repeated. There's only one photo. In 2017, he and his wife opened a shop. They sell many rare film cameras such as a rangefinder camera. They also sell negatives such as pack films and medium format films. They help customers repair and develop negatives. This area is where guests can discover that when negatives are viewed with a magnifying glass, they can actually be very detailed. That is to say, some relatively large negatives are actually more detailed than many digital cameras today. A high resolution can be achieved. It's just that most people are in contact with 135mm film, so they don't know that there are larger ones. The couple also holds workshops and lectures in the store. They hope to teach more people about film cameras and kindle appreciation for fading art. FTV reporters Stephanie Yang and Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Russia-Ukraine tensions sent Wall Street tumbling on Thursday, with the Dow Jones falling by more than 600 points. On Friday, Taiwan shares dropped by more than 170 points, but recouped most of its losses by the end of the session. The index finished down just 36 points at 18,232. Tourism stocks gained while the tech sector floundered. TSMC, UMC and MediaTek each shed about 1%. Honghai fell 0.47%, although Largan bucked the trend, closing up 1.17%. Whether it's the Philadelphia Semiconductor Exchange or the NASDAQ, we're seeing downward pressure on the moving averages. So in the short term, the TIEX will likely fluctuate within the range of 18,000 and 18,500 points. The TIEX is seeing some choppy trading these days. If you see it rise, don't chase it. On Monday, it might open high and close low. So if you're going to act, you'll have to be quick about it. The analyst says that stocks to watch in the coming days include shipping and computer memory. Gold is also on the rise. The precious metal has surged to an eight-month high of 1,902 U.S. dollars per ounce as traders flock to safe havens amid the Ukraine crisis. Cherry blossom season is here. The fabulous pink flowers are blooming in profusion. It's time to head to the mountains if you want to see them for yourself. In Taichung, two neighboring farms have enormous seas of cherries, where you can bathe in pink all day long. This pink paradise at Wuling Farm dazzles cherry blossom lovers. Nestled between green forests, blue skies and fluffy white clouds, the pink cherries are at their best now. Visitors linger among the trees as a light breeze lifts petals from their branches. The view from above is no less stunning. This is the famous Cherry River landscape. 
Near Jinghua Bridge lies the Aiko Cherry Forest. It joins with the Jiaofeng Cherry Forest to form this magnificent 3-kilometer avenue of blossoms. The magical atmosphere is a once-a-year opportunity for romantic floral extravagance on an epic scale. This is the highest point in Uling Farm, and it's also our secret cherry wonderland. Nearby, the Mingfu Pavilion is dedicated to the memory of the farm's former manager, Huang Mingfu. It was thanks to him that a team of veterans planted 21,000 cherry trees here 20 years ago. From here, the long-term results of all that effort are plain to see. Just 27 kilometers away lies Fushou Shan Farm and its Qianying Garden, which also offers breathtaking seas of blossom. The 13-hectare garden is planted with over 6,000 individual cherry trees. Fushoshan is said to be the last place to enjoy the cherry season in Taiwan. The pink flowers burst into bloom throughout February, followed by the white blossoms in March, making this the perfect spot if you want to book a last-minute flower viewing. Let's now take a look at how a Taiwanese brand is using sediment from reservoirs to create home decor. Established in 2015, a team creates plant pots, fragrance diffusers, and animal sculptures using recycled cement. It also holds DIY courses on how to make different designs out of cement. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang said in on the class, let's take a look. <laughs> She pours water and mixes it with the cement, stirring it all with a chopstick. Then she pours the cement into a plastic cup to mix the darker cement with the lighter cement. After that's done, she pours the cement into a mold. This is Wang Yiping, the owner of the studio. Established in May 2015, Wang and her team use the cement deposited in Taiwan reservoirs to create beautiful products such as plant pots, fragrance diffusers, and animals. When we're creating, we want to go beyond people's vision of cement. So we use various shapes such as dinosaurs, pet cats, and dogs. We don't want to merely create decorations. We hope to create objects that can be used, so we take advantage of the properties of cement. It can be sprayed with your favorite perfume or essential oil and be used as a diffuser. As for being eco-friendly, in the year after starting our business, we met many cement material suppliers in Taiwan, one of which is very special. They recycle Taiwan's reservoir silt, recycle it and then remake it into cement material. This material actually allows us to render more detail in our handmade products. Also, it's 100% recycled, so it is relatively friendly to the environment. Cement is typically seen as rigid and cold. Wang says her team wants to show people that cement can also be warm and healing. They want their products to bring relaxation and strength to users. Uh, we worked overseas for about six or seven years, and we were under a lot of pressure. After a death in my family, we decided to come back to Taiwan to start a business. The first thing that came to my mind was to use building materials. In Taiwan, we use cement to build houses. So we hoped that using our own hands, we could upend the traditional perception of cement as a cold and hard material. We wanted to show that the material we use to build houses can also be brought inside to be part of our homes. The team also holds DIY courses to teach more people how to craft different designs using cement. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. 
A university student and his professor have unveiled a 3D-printed alternative steak. This team from National Taiwan Ocean University found a way to use 3D printing technology to build flavorful plant-based steaks. Their recipe uses cheap ingredients like pre-protein, and the result is meat light, yet soft enough for older adults to chew. The team has filed a patent application for the process in the United States. Cooked food is pulled from the microwave. This researcher cuts into it, sampling it while it's still hot. Believe it or not, this artificial meat is 3D printed. It tastes like a vegetarian ham alternative, but its layers are reminiscent of a steak. This would be great for older adults. It has the texture of meat, the chewiness. It has a kind of smoky flavor, similar to peas. Very delicious. The 3D printer spits out a pink substance, which slowly takes the shape of a meat patty. This 3D-printed vegetarian meat alternative was developed by researchers at National Taiwan Ocean University's Food Safety Department. Made using egg whites, pea protein, and alginate gel, it has a soft texture that retains the elasticity of meat. Its developers hope it will satisfy the needs of vegetarians, as well as older adults who have trouble chewing. In the future, it can be used to make commercial steaks that are accessible to all. 3D printed meat was once an impossible concept. However, by taking the protein and colloids and putting them through emulsification and stacking, we have been able to make steaks, all without sacrificing animals in the process. This alternative meat uses cheap raw materials. It can help solve the world food crisis and reduce the environmental impact of animal husbandry. This university project was published in an international journal less than a month after it yielded results. Its developers have applied for a patent in the U.S., and they're looking to capitalize on commercial opportunities. Our goal is to end hunger. There is hope for saving the world. Researchers say that 3D printed meat is innovative, sustainable, and socially responsible. With advancements in technology, new possibilities for food are beginning to emerge. Turning now to the wonderful world of viral trends. A graduate student from National Taiwan University recently went viral online for a graduation photo shoot like no other. The student dressed up specially for a graduation photo looking uncannily like pop singer and actress Puff Kuo. Fans of the former Dreamgirls member are besotted. This is the image that recently blew up on social media. Posted to a tutor's group, it shows a sweetheart dressing graduation rose for National Taiwan University. On first glance, you might think it's pop singer Puff Kuo. But nope, it's just Tu Zhaoyuan, a former student at Jianguo High School, aka CKHS. I want to say sorry to the real Puff Kuo, as well as all the fans who support and like her. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be so cheeky as to call myself the CKHS Puff, because I actually don't look anything like her. The reason I called myself CKHS Puff is because I loved her so much in high school, that's all. It was like a joke with my classmates. Two social media pages boast a whole series of glam shots, including photos with university professors. The social media sensation says parental support is everything. My parents are great. They're very liberal. They don't have much opinion about how I like to be me or how I like to dress. When I took the graduation photo, I was trying to subliminally push the photographer towards editing me to look more like CKHS Puff. That's the only reason it looks like a tiny weeny bit like her. We're not convinced it's all down to Photoshop. 
For now, Two has called on the real pop star to film a video together to show fans just how similar to each other they are or not. Moving on to the weekend weather forecast, a cold wave is moving in along with a humid cloud system from southern China. All parts of Taiwan can expect a damp and chilly weekend. On Sunday, lows of less than 10 degrees are expected along the upper half of the island. It's snowing again up on Yushan. Patches of white carpet the top of the mountain as snowflakes collect on tourists' coats. The snowfall began Thursday afternoon and tapered off Friday morning, leaving 1.5 centimeters of accumulation. Down at sea level, Friday was cool and damp. With a cold wave moving in, temperatures are forecast to fall even more on Saturday before continuing a downward slide. The cold wave is set to be strongest on Sunday, when temps will drop below 10 degrees in the upper half of the island. Temperatures across Taiwan will be low, potentially reaching 10 to 12 degrees. Particularly in the western upper half of the island and the northeastern region, lows could fall below 10 degrees. Matsu could see temperatures of 3 to 4 degrees and Jinmen 6 to 7 degrees. A cold spell is on its way along with days of damp weather. Starting Saturday afternoon, rain will be in the forecast for all parts of Taiwan and it's due to persist until next Tuesday. At altitudes 2,000 meters above sea level, there will be a chance of snowfall. There will be the conditions for snow at all mountains 3,000 meters above sea level, along with mountains in the north and northeast that are 2,000 to 2,500 meters above sea level. Forecasters say the cold wave will weaken starting next Tuesday or Wednesday. Until then, wrap up warm as temperatures get set to plummet.